Hi, I'm Pat Rulo, author, speaker, and radio host of Speak Up Talk Radio. I'm local and vocal when it comes to healthcare safety. If you need a life-changing topic and speaker for your next event, call me, 440-725-5462, or visit speakupandstayalive.com. Patient safety is your right, so don't go wrong. Let me share what I know with your group, 440-725-5462, or visit speakupandstayalive.com. And now, your host, Pat Rulo. Welcome to Speak Up Talk Radio, where nothing is off limits when it comes to your health, wellness, healthcare safety, or just plain sanity. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo author of the book on the recommended reading list of the U.S. Army's Medical Department, titled Speak Up and Stay Alive, The Patient Advocate Hospital Survival Guide, available at the website speakupandstayalive.com. As a healthcare safety speaker, trainer, and researcher, it is my goal to keep you safe from what the masses embrace as normal. Thank you for joining me today as together we become the voice for informed choice. So turn off that microwave radiation emitting cell phone because it's time to get started. Today's guest is quite special, and the topic is not a commonly discussed healthcare or hospital issue. And I'm talking about the negative health effects being driven by hospitals, a supposed place of healing, and their blind acceptance and use of electromagnetic fields, microwave frequencies emitted by wireless technology. Our guest today is Cindy Sage, the co-editor and principal author of the Bioinitiative Reports, and a founder of the International Bioinitiative Working Group. For those who may not recall, the Bioinitiative Report is the report on the relationship between the electromagnetic fields associated with power lines and wireless devices and health, and I really encourage you to become familiar with the findings. Cindy's specialty area of practice is the science and public health effects of electromagnetic fields and radio frequency radiation. Well, I am so pleased and honored to have this conversation today. So welcome to our show, Cindy. Pat, it's really my pleasure, and thank you for having me. You are welcome. Well, Cindy, as soon as you agreed to be on the show, we sent an email blast to our listeners and our followers, asking them to send us their most pressing questions regarding EMF safety as it relates to healthcare and hospital stays. So with your permission, I'd like to format our time together by sharing some of those listeners' questions with you. It's, it's fine with me, and Pat, I want your listeners to know that I actually prepared an outline of talking points and things that I thought we could cover, but this morning when I saw the questions, I realized they were so excellent, I'd much rather answer questions, you know, then make a presentation. But what I'd like for people to know is that in, in response to these questions, there's really a lot of reference material and good, solid scientific and public health backup, which we want them to have confidence that these answers that they're going to get are really based in a lot of research. Thank you for that. All right. Well, now, first, before we get into the questions, for those who may be finding us for the first time or for those who aren't so familiar with electromagnetic fields and microwave frequencies, can you give us a quick lesson? What are they and why are they hazardous to our health? 
there are uh, several kinds of electromagnetic fields. The EMF term is sort of the broad umbrella term. Within that, we have the power frequency fields, 50 and 60 hertz, that come from all things electric. They're the electric fields and magnetic fields that come from things that have motors, things that are wired, things that use electricity. And there are lots of those in hospitals that we want to talk about. They take a certain kind of a meter to measure, and they, they're a standalone piece of our conversation. Uh, the other part of our conversation is about radio frequency microwave signals that are basically the product of all these new wireless technologies. People know them, you know, from cell phones and cordless phones, but in a hospital or healthcare setting, they're becoming, I mean, we, we are now seeing the mass deployment of radio frequency wireless gadgets and monitors and sensors of every kind. And both of these exposures are today listed as possible human carcinogens. This is a formal World Health Organization IARC listing. So there's a, there's a great collision coming between this sort of premature rollout of wireless technologies, particularly in healthcare settings, and the health effects they cause. So we need to talk about this and whether or not we have informed consent about it and whether people know about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I appreciate your being here. And I'm going to start out our conversation with my own observations slash question. I have radiation measuring meters with me, and, and I brought them to the hospital during my daughter's labor, and the numbers were registering in the extreme danger zone, and so I decided to look around and see what might be causing this, and initially, getting out of the car, I spotted cell towers or the cellular repeaters on top of the hospital building. So now, basically, everyone in the hospital, patients, staff, visitors, we're being exposed to extremely high levels of radiation. So my question is this, why are hospitals allowing cell towers or these cellular repeaters to be installed on the top of their buildings? Well, Pat, I've had the, the same experience um, in hospitals that I've visited, and we've also done consulting in some hospitals for electromagnetic interference. So it's common to see. Now, the, the rollout of these, um, and you know, the hospitals leasing, you know, space to cell carriers, really started around in the early 2000s, and by 2006 or 7, they were everywhere. Being under them probably is less bad than being in a building adjacent to where they're, they're mounted on a roof, so that's one point of view, and I think probably you were measuring, oh, oh my gosh, there are so many sources now, including, you know, on these mothers in labor, in labor and delivery, they're, wear, they're wearing wearable, uh, you know, devices that transmit radio frequency to monitor labor. Nevertheless, what you are seeing defines the problem. We shouldn't be putting patients, nor should we be putting healthcare workers in these exposures. They're, they're excessive. Right. Right. Thank you. Thank you. And and this next question kind of speaks also, because I had the same experience as well. Um, it's from a gal, Mandy in Phoenix. She said, my son and daughter-in-law just had a baby and the hospital insisted on, on attaching an RFID tag, that's the radio frequency ID tag, to her little leg. The reason, in case of a kidnapping, is the medical risk worth the minuscule odds of someone snatching the child and running? In other words, are these RFID frequencies safe? Well, I, I think that this is just a, a really bad choice for very, very for a very remote possibility for a child. If, if you look at, at, at one hospital, it, it's really quite good in California where I was able to, to look at the RF emissions from these RFID tags. If the child wears one, the mother wears one, and there's one on nurses, and then there's, there's a sensor somewhere, you know, on that floor. And the range of these 
RFID, and these are radio frequency identifica identification tags, RFID stands for that, and really not warranted in this case. I mean, there, there just isn't enough risk, and people should be paying attention, and there are many other ways of, of, of looking toward prevention of that problem. So RFID tags have no place on neonates. Right. I mean, just because we have the ability to do something doesn't mean that we have to do it. That's, that's so right. And I think, you know, as a basic concept for everyone listening, you have to think about the layering up of radio frequency. Yes. The number of ways in which wireless is being introduced into medical technology, telemetry, surveillance, monitoring, and then even at the checkout, you know, all of the patient electronic recordings, all of these things are new and they, they are additive. So the actual cumulative exposure is enormous. So we have an enormous disconnect. We have a mass rollout of unnecessary and risky technology and absolutely no informed consent. Right. And this is going to translate uh, as well to homes and the wireless baby monitors. I just want to throw that out there as well. It's, if they're dangerous in the hospital, they're dangerous at the home as well. Yeah, they're, they're dangerous. Baby monitors, electronic baby monitors, are so strong, an RF signal, that um, they're, they are... They should never be placed in, in a crib or in the room of a child. They really shouldn't be used. But, right. you know, the other, the other issue with that, of course, is that there have been many, you know, high-profile examples recently of uh, hackers actually hacking into the wireless systems, mm -hmm. um, you know, within homes that are maintained wirelessly where a child can be seen. A child can be seen in a crib, oh. and there can be two-way communication. And people who want to rob a home or simply terrorize a child Oh. Um, can do so. So we we believe that the the, the ability to, to hack these systems is also a real concern. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Wow. Well, since we're still talking about little ones, Jen in California asks, "What about prenatal ultrasound? Is that safe?" This is such a good topic to bring up. Uh, the answer is yes. This is a, a real concern, particularly for. Uh, the boutique-style 3D, 4D, you know, vanity ultrasounds that are being done to create a photograph or a picture of the mm -hmm. baby before it's born. These are to be avoided, completely avoided. They're unnecessary. They're, they're vanity only. So there are probably times when ultrasound is really medically necessary, but it's the kind of thing where we should not be doing it willy-nilly. We shouldn't be doing it for vanity. We shouldn't be doing it when other testing is as good or better and doesn't involve bad exposure. All right, Mike from Ohio sent this. He said, Pat, I've heard that the frequencies given off my wireless devices contribute to fertility and reproductive problems. Please ask your guest about this. Mike from Ohio is correct. <laughs> um, the evidence is, is just snowballing. Um, I, would, I would first say, look at the uh, Chapter 18 in uh, the 2012 Bioinitiative Report, which is a very extensive review, particularly for male fertility, for sperm quality, for sperm motility, sperm viability. It turns out that a man who is wearing a cell phone on his belt, even on standby, may be creating, is likely to be creating health impacts uh, to sperm that are irreversible and, and lead to mutations that may in fact be one of the, the factors we should be looking at for, you know, this epidemic rise in autism and ADHD. Being subjected to these spikes in radio frequency as the cell is trying to communicate to you know, stay in touch with the nearest cell tower appears to be enough to damage sperm DNA. And the sperm has sperm has no 
DNA repair capacity unlike, I think, every other cell of the body. So once, once damaged, they're damaged. So it's a great concern for, for men in fertility. And obviously, the prevention here is to think about turning your cell phone off, completely off. Uh, don't put it on a belt for long periods. Don't carry it in your pocket. Don't carry it on your body. Take it out and use it when you want to check in. And if you have to have it on, put it three or four or five feet away from you on a desk or the seat of your car. It's a, it's a, a great concern. Just some common sense uh, solutions as well. Now, there's another facet to this. And we, we have to consider men and women. And then we have to consider the developing fetus. Because the mother who uses the cell phone during pregnancy, uh, in some published studies, we're seeing both in animal studies and human studies that that in utero exposure for the fetus can lead to altered fetal brain development. And the way that that's exhibited is that by the time that child is in, in um, elementary school, they have more problems with learning and behavior. We are seeing the effects of cell phone radiation during pregnancy, altering fetal brain development in mice and in human children, in the fetus, leading to problems later on. So we really don't want women to be using wireless or exposing themselves to wireless during pregnancy or pre-pregnancy. Excellent advice. I would say the precautionary principle is warranted here. The last paper I saw published was really interesting. It had a nice scientific title and then in parentheses it said dial 1-800-EXTINCTION. Ooh. <laughs> and Ooh. talked about not making some new course corrections where they're obviously needed for right man to avoid uh, wireless. Well, I'm glad we're getting this word out. All right, let's move on. A nurse in Boston emailed this one. RFID tags and chips are becoming a way of life in the hospital setting. They are used to keep track of equipment, sponges used during surgery. They can locate the immediate whereabouts of doctors during an emergency. It gives easy access to a patient's medical records through his or her RFID tag, can track patients as they move about the hospital, as well as limit the hospital's liability. Does Cindy think the benefits outweigh the health risks? No, I don't think the benefits outweigh the health risks because I don't think any of these people, I don't think hospital administrators nor their boards are, are doing any due diligence on the, the, the health risks of wireless. When there's another option than wireless, they should take it. Right. They shouldn't continue layering up. And this is not reducing their liability. It may be short-term, but certainly not when people figure out that this is a cause of cancers, neurological diseases, impairment of immune systems, and, and a very long list of long-term health consequences and worse, probably worse, the short-term effects on memory, cognition, concentration, focus of the healthcare workers is reducing their ability to do their job. They're endangering patient health and welfare and healing and treatment by being so groggy. On top of all the other stresses that you have in in healthcare workers, and we don't have, if you're listening audience, composed of healthcare workers, you already know mm-hmm. that, that this is a very stressful environment mentally and physiologically. And to keep adding layers of electromagnetic field and radio frequency radiation that is unnecessary is, is counter in the most basic way to the charge to do no harm. Because people can't keep track of patients or assets, sponges, things that go missing. They can't keep track of schedules as well because their mental function is diminished and impaired by chronic exposure to very low levels of wireless. And I'm talking levels that are a tenth of a microwatt per centimeter squared, a hundredth of a microwatt per centimeter squared, maybe even a a nanowatt per centimeter squared. And these hospital environments for wireless are reaching much higher levels throughout. They are 
saturated with wireless radio frequency exposure that, that we know today are, are related to the problems of cognition and memory, right. concentration. Yeah. It's true. I've been to so many hospital seminars and been speaking at hospitals lately, and everything, every breakout session surrounds about the use of wireless technology. Rounding with iPads is all exciting, and it's so counter productive to what we're supposed to be doing in a hospital, and that's healing people. And it's not just the patients, as you mentioned, that are at risk. Now your healthcare staff is at extreme risk of even keeping you safe. So, yeah. And, you know, again, when you, when you draw back, Pat, and you think, well, why are we in this situation? This mass rollout or deployment of wireless has been driven largely by companies that see a spin-off kind of gizmo or gadget that sounds good, but for the they are a health effect, and they're being funded, and they're being commercialized so fast we can hardly keep track of them. And because they can legitimately say, "Well, we comply with FCC standards," and they, you know, inevitably they do comply. They're they're legal. They're just harmful. And until we have new biologically based standards that relate to where people begin to get sick or they can't think straight, then we 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 have no break on the deployment other than by complaining or rejecting, you know, treatments and treatment environments that, that are uh, so rich in RF. And that's kind of a frightening answer. A couple voices here and there is not going to make the difference, you know. Yeah. You know, I, um, I interviewed a, a healthcare professional, a physician's assistant, um, this morning and asked her to describe a typical day to try to say this is, this, this is now, you know, the common experience of the healthcare worker and, and what's it, what, what is there at work there and how is it affecting people and who's driving it? And at the very end of this conversation, which is really enlightening, he said to me that, you know, our patients are demanding wireless. It's not just the hospital administrators. They are, in fact, often responding to people in labor and delivery, for example, that want wireless. Their, pa- their patient demands to be portable. For example, mothers in labor and delivery, they want to wear wearable you know, baby monitors because they want to walk around. Well, that's not a good offset. If they knew the risk, they probably wouldn't do it. Some of the urgent care centers now are going to iPads, for example, in Berkeley. Right. Um, they chart only on iPads and... The people who go in there think it's a really modern, good place to get medicine because they have access to Wi-Fi as well because it was demanded. Yeah. It has nothing to do with patient care, but it's the, the, the cosmetic appearance that it's modern. Mm-hmm. So I think we have a lot of patient education to do as well as you know medical hospital administrator, hospital board education to do in this. I've always said that in, in my writings on this that we need to educate at all these levels and that... Once we have done it, people will start making choices not to have iPads near new moms so they can bond with their infants in in NICUs. You know, I mean, these are ideas that sound good, but they just aren't. Right, right. Well, hopefully conversations like this will help bring it out, at least to the patient side, and maybe then they can refuse some of these things. Because I saw the very same thing when my daughter was in the hospital. They came in with the iPad and and, uh, signed her up for the electronic medical charting. And I also thought about the cross-contamination because I didn't see that iPad touchscreen being cleaned between taking it from room to room. So you're also contributing towards whatever bacteria from room to room, especially with little little newborns. So lots going on with that. That is troubling. Well, we could go on and on here. Can you tell us where we can learn more about you and what you do? See, our, our, our work at www.bioinitiative.org is the really important central repository for all of the science in public health, and it's written both for the layperson in the beginning, and then all the technical, you know, the hard, the hard science stuff is all in the back. It is where we want you to go to understand these issues. 
And it's just a pleasure to have you with us today. I really, really appreciate your taking the time. I, I want to thank you very much for putting some uh, a light on a really important topic. Well, folks, this is a game-changing topic that no one in the media is really exposing. But when it does hit the fan, and it will, when people start getting sick and connecting the dots, remember, you heard about it here on Speak Up Radio. It's time for prudent avoidance. It's time to spread the awareness, and I'm counting on you to help. So stay with me. As usual, there's more to come. Listen to Pat Rulo and Speak Up Radio. Stay safe from little-known healthcare and hospital hazards. To learn more, go to speakupandstayalive.com. That's speakupandstayalive.com. Recently, I was asked to narrate and produce the audiobook version of a book titled Death by 5G, an advanced guide to population reduction techniques. So what is 5G? 5G, which stands for fifth generation, is an upcoming standard for mobile telecommunications service that promises to be significantly faster than today's 4G. Well, the author of this book has a lot more to say about it. Here's a bit from their page on Amazon. They say, this new technology will affect living human beings to the core of their health. This guide will tell you all the ways the government and powers that be will be using fifth-generation signals to blast through your home devices to levels you could never imagine. Dangers involving 5G technology are serious and varied. Learn how to protect yourself and the people you love. So to find out more and to get your Kindle version or the audiobook version, just visit Amazon.com and type in the title of the book, which is Death by 5G, the number 5, the letter G. And if you or someone you know would like to turn their book into an audiobook, I can do that for you. Just email me at pat at speakupandstayalive.com or call me 440-725-5462. As you know, I interview authors to help them get the word out about their books. And recently, I had the pleasure to share some time with author Suzanne Tropez-Holmes, who writes the Creole Moon series. Here's a teaser from her book titled Creole Moon, The Betrayal. Explore the world of fantasy in the Louisiana swamp during the 1800s. Join our hero, George Genois, as he uncovers a dark side of love and marriage. George returns to his hometown to celebrate the wedding of his twin brother, Gerald. George is not the marrying kind, but strange events throw him in the path of a fiery, rebellious young woman from his past. A spell is cast, and he falls madly in love with her, but the priest and priestess of the swamp have other plans for the woman. Under a Creole moon, all of their fates are sealed. I know you want to find out what happens, so head over to the author's website and get a copy of her book, Creole Moon, The Betrayal, as well as her others from the series. The website is stholmes.com. That's S-T-H-O-L-M-E-S dot com. S-T-Holmes dot com.
Well, there you have it. Lots to think about and plenty to share with others. And to do so, simply head over to the website, speakupandstayalive.com, where you can listen to today's show again and hear previous episodes all under the Radio Archives button. And while you're there, visit the shop page to get a copy of the life-saving book, Speak Up and Stay Alive, Your Hospital Survival Guide. And for more of my books, visit Amazon.com. Type my name in the search bar, Patricia Rulo, R-U-L-L-O, and you will find some other goodies. Now, if you're in the Cleveland, Ohio area, listen to the show every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock on WHKW AM 1220, as well as on WHKZ AM 1440. And tune in again every Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. Same show, but on WHK AM 1420. We're also on iTunes, iHeartRadio, SpeakUpTalkRadio.com, and about 50 additional online venues. So uh, no excuse to miss a single episode. And if you just need more of me, invite me to speak to your group, club, church, business, or hospital. My presentations are fun, fast-paced, informative, and life-saving. And I can guarantee this, no one falls asleep on my watch. Visit speakupandstayalive.com for more information. Email me at pat at speakupandstayalive.com or call me and leave a message on the radio studio line 440-725-5462. That is 440-725-5462. Well, that is it for today. Until next time, I hope you have a healthy and a happy week. I am Pat Rulo, and I am the voice for informed choice.